Episode 44 of All the Horrible Things. Brought to you by, if we could pick any sponsor, what sponsor would you love to have on board? Specifically for this episode? Oh, for, I think, just in general. All the Horrible Things, sponsored in part by, for me, it's Ovaltine. Clearly, I'm an Ovaltine man. Most of the time we're doing this, I'm drinking Ovaltine. Is that so, real? Uh, that's, uh, <laughs> I'm dead serious. <laughs> I, have, I have no idea this uh, detail about you. If I, I no was a, like a horror figure, I would be the milkman because I drink so much milk. It's absolutely disgusting. You know how all these shows lately, the bad guys, like in The Boys yeah. or in that uh, Quentin Tarantino movies, what is it, Inglorious Bastards, the bad guys drink milk. Because it's because... Uh, maybe I'm inherently evil. Adults don't normally drink milk. We are the only... Um, I'm going to say we're the only mammal that... Or maybe just even animal that continues to drink milk after, you know, a certain age. Yeah, I mean, I maybe I'm just man child forever, but uh, that's where I get my water. I get a lot of guff for not drinking enough water, but I'm like, but there's water in milk, and it tastes so much more delicious <laughs> with all that lactose involved. I really thought you were saying that um, the Oval Team because of like a Christmas story, like. Be sure to drink your Ovaltine. Like, what the? <laughs> uh, nope, nope. Ovaltine's always been a staple of my diet. It gives me uh, lots of sugar. That's Love that amazing. sugar. And uh, all sorts of vitamins as well. But yeah, I always associate it with, of course, Seinfeld. You know, the Ovaltine. Oh, yeah. Jokes. Why, why is it round? Uh, we should call it round. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, it is an uh, accurate assessment. Uh, he's I don't really have good a at, sponsor um, though. I, observation. I, I don't have something you don't in mind, Nothing? like a dream sponsor. I think it would be like. Well, you're a Subaru guy. I think we should get Subaru on board here, right? <laughs> I do like Subaru. I think it's a well-made vehicle that lasts a very long time. Brought to you by Subaru. There you go. I mean, I mean, does Subaru have any electric vehicles yet? Because we don't want to be uh, ruining the planet I here with all the horrible things. I think they have a hybrid, and I think it's just really hard to come by. Uh, I think that they've. Uh, they're working towards it. They're really Excellent. known for not having your family killed in an accident, though. <laughs> well, this is good. So if there's any uh, <laughs> listeners out there who uh, can grease the wheels with either Subaru or Ovaltine, yeah. <laughs> we'd appreciate it. It should be Subaru, <laughs> stay alive. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very nice. Yeah. Good tie in there. Thank you. Well, you're right. We're on episode 44, and today is the third. We've somehow made it to February 3rd. It's a hard thing to do. Just ask Bill Murray. Um, and we, of course, are going to talk about Groundhog Day, but in a unique fashion. We're going to talk about how Groundhog Day itself is really a horror film at its heart. Absolutely. Yes, it's a living nightmare. And, it's a living nightmare. It really is. It absolutely is. I mean, it comes off like this sweet little rom-com, but Harold Ramis, who directed it, is a very dark man. He's very dark. I'm kidding, of course. He's a very, very lovable dude. He's a very... <laughs> but I think he does have the sense to see the darkness in something like this. A lot of people have acknowledged that it's existential yes. in its nature, but I think we as horror aficionados can go that further step to kind of see the tropes within it that make it horror. Absolutely. And, and first, that's the first part of this cast. Yes. Uh, what else are we going to do? Well, we're going to talk about its influence on, you know, specifically other horror movies. It's a very influential film. I mean, there's it's not just used within the horror genre. I've seen that Andy Samberg movie. I think it's called Palm Springs. Basically did an Which updated version of it. There's, yes. um, there's the really fun uh, Tom Cruise movie, which I think is called death no it's called oh edge of tomorrow Tomorrow. which actually i wish we had watched that for this as well because there are horror elements to that there really are there are it it all it also it was called originally i think it was called live die repeat which is a fucking awesome name apparently they didn't want to go with it it. was based on a comic book yeah so that's what the comic was initially called yeah um but yeah but as far uh, as i know harold ramis did it first with groundhog day and there are parts in this movie where we can see Bill Murray almost at a breaking point. He does, uh, before he gets to his redemption and uh, redeeming qualities and doing good deeds, he really lives it up. And when he drives those other guys over the cliff, he he takes advantage of certain individuals. It's There are breaking points for this character, which is why it's so ripe for horror. It's 
I completely agree. It's it's um who is the um and and I believe it's talked about in one of our other movies the or maybe actually brought up in two of the different movies and we'll get into that the Greek character who has to push a rock up a hill until Sisyphus Sisyphus oh my goodness it's interesting you're bringing up Sisyphus because one of the movies we're going to talk about after. Uh, Groundhog Day is Triangle, and That's the name of about. the big barge in that is Aeolus, who is the god of wind, whose son f- was Sisyphus. Right, the father, and, and and that's what I was getting at is like that essentially is Groundhog Day. The idea yeah. of you doing this task, you get to the top, and then you have to start all over again, and it's you know it's live, die, repeat. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's very accurate, and I actually didn't put that two and two together until you just hit me with that. All these movies do have that Sisyphusian yeah. uh, thread to them. I did want to mention one other uh, movie that does the same sort of thing, and that has our boy Ronnie Chang, uh, who we talked about last week, and, and Megan. And this was the one I mentioned before. I didn't know the name of it. It's called Long Story Short, and it's an Australian romantic comedy. It's actually, I'm not a huge romantic comedy guy, no. but I would vouch for this one because this trope does work well based on the cast. And Ronnie Chang actually is really, like, he's a dramatic part, the poor boy. Yeah, he, uh, he's suffering from some some terrible maladies in it. So okay. Uh, okay. it does work. But of course, you know, the main character is trying to figure out a way to make him not end up with this issue sure um but let's talk groundhog day i want to start it with this existential question right what is your what's what would you design heaven as let's say you there is heaven yeah what would you say would be your dream heaven what would it look like what would the day-to-day be or the forever be honestly believe the idea of heaven was created for everyone in the same dream where you are just reunited with the people that you've you've loved and lost and that i think is why it was you know um dreamt up that way it gives you something to to live for when you decide to move on or not maybe it's not your decision but when you do move on it's supposed to be you reuniting with 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 your friends and family and maybe even pets because all dogs go to heaven so uh, (laughs) cujo i'm not sure about cujo cujo yeah he he just had to to say a couple hail marys and he was forgiven So, okay, so are you saying then you would ascribe to this sort of mass concept of heaven and that you want to go up there, you want to chill with your friends and family for all of eternity? So that's what that's what I'm I'm getting at, because I I, there's no question I'm a a selfish individual. So I think you would pick and choose. So (laughs) this this dream scenario that heaven was was dreamt up as that you get to meet everyone. Don't you have selfish reasons, like the things, the, the, the greed still, even though you're supposed to leave that behind, you still have the greediness. And I will connect it to Groundhog's Day because Bill Murray, Phil Connors, when he's sitting in, in the bowling alley with those two guys before they drive home I'm- drunk, that he says, you know, I... Um, he talks about being on an island with a woman, a beautiful woman, and yes. they drank, and then they made love. And he, and those guys are like, ooh, <laughs> yeah. even as grown men, they're like, ooh, like a couple of schoolboys or schoolgirls. So Phil Connors is describing probably what a lot of people would want in their heaven. They want paradise. And also heaven has been right. described as paradise. But it's, it's, it's you know, that selfish, like, I want to be in a beach with, a, with drinks and – yeah. So is that so wrong? I get that. Yes, it is wrong because it's going to get boring no matter what. This yes. is this is the big conundrum for me because when I'm trying to think about the best day that I've ever had or could dream of having, I'm still going to get sick of it if I'm looped in this same yes. pleasure pool forever. To me, I don't necessarily want to be me in the next realm. You know what I'm saying? I would like either just something completely fresh or just the blackness versus some sort of like, uh, you know, chilling with friends and family forever is going to get boring. I've really got enough to talk about now with them. It's the (laughs) same idea of of living forever, right? Like Highlander or a vampire. You're going to get lonely because at least in those situations, you're not with the people you love because you have outlived them. But I completely agree and understand with what you're saying. It's like, that sounds more like a hell to me. <laughs> Repeating the same thing yes. over and over again is, is exactly. a living or, or 
you know, for Phil Connors, it and was a that is hell. the root of why we call this Groundhog Day horror, because it to me is a hell dimension. I've seen it in shows like Angel, where somebody's in hell and they're doing the same horrible yeah, thing and it always act. ends with them like getting killed by a loved one or something. Sisyphus. So the loop is the horror. Yes. Yeah. Sisyphusian and horror escape. Yeah, I, I mean, and if you look if you look at Groundhog Day, he is in a very bleak small town so there's a message there too about the idea of someone from the big city how they can never really uh, agree with someone else's way of life of like why do people live like this like the norman rockwell scenario where you're just in this you know picture perfect small town everyone knows your name but they show in this right. movie everybody knows your name can be a terrible thing and and people because he's so selfish uh phil right. phil connor's <laughs> there Matt is Ryerson. that burden that he comes in with of a he's in the car with andy or in the van rather with andy and chris elliott's character uh and he says I i'm i'm probably gonna be quitting this anyway i got bigger fish to fry and it brings me to like what i i see see is this like in nietzschean the quote from nietzsche that really encompasses this whole movie and why it is scary is hope in reality is the worst of all evil because it prolongs the torments of man so throughout this whole thing there is these these hopes that he has that will never be fulfilled right right he wants to become a bigger shot weatherman even though he's in pittsburgh and he's doing really well for himself and he seems to be loved despite the archetype of the weatherman being someone right. that people kind of like hate because they bring bad news about a rainy wedding <laughs> or <laughs> you know cold weather to come they're the guy that often gets or woman that often gets vilified um when it comes to the local news so he's accountable for the bad weather even though he actually isn't in a way so, so that it, innately is problematic not so, to mention the horrible terrible song in the intro when they're driving in i'm your weatherman yeah. i understand the context is appropriate but i hate that song and that's the only thing that really dates this movie and kind of takes me out of how amazing it is it's just that one song. I don't whoa, know. Whoa, That's whoa. my only like real big beef with it. Couldn't you argue that the Sonny and Cher oh, put your little hand in mine? I like, love that song. I'm over sorry. No, 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 no. But, over and over, no. Right. But, That's, uh, That's my you're point. You're right. Now, I think you are probably right, and most people do see that kind of cheesy, lovey-dovey song as being torturous, right? Yeah. And to wake up to that every morning. And really, when the root of this is him being so greedy and selfish and alone and not really having any connection with people and he's never really gonna get it you know it, it, it's yeah and it's unattainable and even at the end I, i'd like to talk about that a little later but i, I do wonder yeah I do now, wonder if song, it's so good that he got to get out of that day yeah and the song in itself is ironic babe i got you babe and when he's searching for this well he wants andy mcdowell's character after a while you know when he really comes to to love her and he can't have her because the day resets or she doesn't like right. who he really is and he needs to change but yeah um, what was There's something gonna... a little problematic about the relationship. I can't deny that too, because you do have um, weird inter office like strangeness going on. Sure, there is a I, certain I... of misogyny in Bill Murray's character yes. that we can't deny, right? I will argue. You got to put that up front. <laughs> yes, I will argue that in, in the news world, it's a little bit differently, or in the production world, that uh, that she's probably more of a freelance producer or in that situation where she, if they, if they were to live a normal life, she probably wouldn't be working with him day in and day out. So I see what you're saying, but it, it is, yeah, it's still in her office mingling, you know, like where, well, that was, the, it was, it was in a different time though. It's frowned on now for sure. I know. Yeah. What is it? 93. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to cut it a little bit of slack, but that is one of the other areas that now were it to ever be remade, which it shouldn't because it is a masterpiece of sorts. Uh, I don't know what you do. I don't know what you do in that scenario. I guess it's better that she's the one that has the power over him. It would probably be really horrible if she was like the assistant that came in that he's trying to win over. Um, but I still got a little issues with it. Sure. But let's go back to how this world, this day is a hellscape. Um, so you got annoying radio jockeys in the morning. Everybody hates oh, freaking yeah. radio jockeys that think they're hilarious. Crew. And when they're not, they hear the, exact they hear that every morning to wake up to that nonsense and then of course when he leaves 
um, he, he deals with this overly optimistic guy. And yeah. I don't know about you, but waking up for me is hard, no matter what. Even sure. when I have the most amazing day ahead of me, it can be a struggle, you know? Uh, so then to go out, step out the door to, you know, this jolly fellow. Morning person. Uh, you don't really want to deal with, you know? Yeah. So essentially, when somebody makes you feel crappier than you already did, we start off with that. <clears throat> that guy's Then great. I want to jump... He is fun. He's, He's a, a lot of fun. And his reaction yeah. when when uh, Mary uh, nails it at the end, when he like gives him this beautiful yeah. quote about what winter is and <laughs> yeah. such, it, he, he just looks so moved and, and so like, touched by it. Yeah. He's a second city guy. <laughs> I, I loved it. Yeah. He, he For such a small little part, he really makes an impression. Nailed it. Um, and then, of course... Uh, I don't like eating bu buffets. I don't like eating with other people and picking up. I feel like I a Larry, Larry David here, but like then he has to go down and have the bed and breakfast where there's yeah. everybody pulling from the same pile. I mean, that that don't forget minuscule hellscape. But don't forget one of the worst things ever is that he has no hot water in that shower. No so hot water. That itself yes. is torture. torture. Absolutely. Uh, I love her reaction to is like no hot water. Well, there wouldn't be today, would there? <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. The cold water in the morning and then followed up by um, him stepping in the puddle, the ice puddle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cold, wet feet is something that I would be stuck with in hell oh, for sure, because I hate that feeling more than socks? most things. Oh, uh, and that actually proceeds the interaction with um, Needle Nose Ned. Yeah, and I do find Needle Nose Ned as a horror trope really fascinating in that there's there's very few things that I fear more than running into people that I don't want to run into, let alone people that have dated my sister in the past. <laughs> yeah. you know? and not, not just that. He's a uh, an insurance salesman, which is one of oh, the, the biggest tropes for like a, a people don't want to talk about life no. insurance which is even more ironic because he can't right. die right now that's very true that's very true yeah so the, so he doesn't want to talk to him and then just having to deal with him constantly yes i mean eventually he does buy all the plans um which is one area i was like D -d -d i don't know if that's the best way to approach making that relationship <laughs> between you and needle nose ned better by just buying Placating, it all like here you go here's um, my money i like Exactly. I like the other things that he does. Very altruistic, but just to buy a bunch of insurance <laughs> plans. Um, I'm not really big on that one. No, but, uh, no. And of course, even as the weatherman, he's stuck even outside of this day, stuck in a job where he does the same thing, predictable thing over and over again. Yeah. And I could see how it just wouldn't be fulfilling for his character um, in and outside of that day. Here's a question for you. Sure. If you were in hell, would you rather have a cold hell or a hot hell? Well, there's so many questions here. Like, cause I hate sweating. I fucking hate sweating. So I think I'd rather go to the. You're cold. naked in both. <laughs> I'd rather be cold. I would take a hot hell I'd any rather, day cold, than to be froze. I do not like being cold much more than I don't like being hot. And I understand the logic of okay, you can you can uh, put on more layers if you're cold. Yeah. But we're talking about the hellscape here of hell, cold versus hell, hot. They probably wouldn't give you the layers. So maybe you're right. Maybe right. sweating is the way. And you're gonna you're gonna burn off my like sensors too. I don't know. I just I hate being cold. <laughs> so for me, February in Pennsylvania is itself can be considered a hellscape. This is why people have the seasonal affected disorder it's because of the way this that atmosphere makes you feel yeah and let's point out a truth right now is that they really filmed this movie in woodstock illinois so that hell is the hell that yes. we currently live in it is february outside of our window well all right woodstock i haven't been there i actually do want to visit it because uh they have their own groundhog now did you hear about this no i did not they, so they have so much notoriety because a lot of people do know that it was filmed there, despite being claimed to be in Punxsutawney. And they have Woodstock Willie as their um, <laughs> own groundhog. Instead of Punxsutawney Which I found fascinating. Uh, is that his name? Punxsutawney. Uh, yeah, yeah. Punxsutawney Phil. They're both Phil. I was going to say they're and both remember, remember that really fun actor, character actor who's also in the Burbs. He's Gus in the Burbs. And it was the same one of the guys oh, that he yeah, got drunk yeah. with at the bowling alley. Yes. And he says, Your name is Phil too, like the groundhog. That's and it's right. like the funniest thing in the world to yeah. him when it's, you know, not all not that funny. funny at all. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I did want to mention more about Woodstock because it's an interesting place for them to have filmed it. They, he, they, the Herald was suggested that location uh, because the director of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles 
use that for a lot of the scenes too oh. so planes trains and automobiles is what kind of inspired it being filmed there um and orson wells considers woodstock his home when he was asked what what, what would what? you consider like your hometown and he spent four or five years there going to school in his youth and he says you know this is the only town that i could ever really say really? I, I consider my hometown so you know as horror people that we are orson wells definitely dabbles in um the dock and macabre uh so i thought that was fascinating that's crazy i did not know it that. has it has some, actually a pretty rich history for such a small little town um, I got to give it credit for that. It's also it was the big typewriter city. So given all of these, you know, words and f- films that are coming out of it, it makes sense that back in the day, there was a multiple typewriter companies set up in Woodstock. So I found that also kind of interesting. Do you know much about um, the history of Groundhog Day? I do not. I hope that you do. So not too much. It's a little <laughs> dabbling here, but of course it does. It did start in Germany, um, and it was called like a Candlemas to see if there was going to be more winter. But interestingly, it was either there's going to be four weeks if it sees its shadow, or a shorter winter. But four weeks is pretty short as it is. Yeah. Um, Six. And I, I, yeah, yeah, we got it. We have it. Six here. Six more weeks, or in early spring, which to me is really vague here in the states. Um, but initially, it was not even a groundhog. It was a badger, which what? I found kind of interesting in itself. Because, yeah, when, at what point did it make that switch? Um, badger day. And actually, a lot of in Latin, I guess it was it's called like the bear rat. I mean, badgers and groundhogs have a, some similarities, but you got that bear rat business in there, uh, which I also found pretty, pretty cool. But isn't it a little counterintuitive, right? It's it's going to be six more weeks of winter if he sees his shadow when it's a sunny day. Wouldn't you think if it's sunny, you're more likely to get yeah. warmth sooner? It always like blew my mind as a kid. It's like, why wouldn't he want to see his shadow? That means the sun's out and it's warmer. Oh, it's a scam. They but, always know he's going to see his shadow and they always can't predict the weather. I they? know. That's true. Are you telling me this is a gimmick holiday just to get people... Uh, <laughs> ultimately to give weatherman something to talk about other than exactly i'm just glad what's on the green screen or the blue screen gifts or cards on that day good grief there, there should be right i think <laughs> i could use what do, what do groundhogs eat a little groundhog basket of mm, like nuts and berries or something probably apples on that day would be nice yeah they probably do eat apples um what were there any other horror aspects of this that you wanted to notice i mean there, there's certainly the existential despair of nothing changing um just the name of the area in which they do the ceremony and pull out the the hog is called gobbler's knob oh, gobbler's knob which is really gross. <laughs> it's just a pretty horrific name if you think about it oh yeah <laughs> both sound sinister and dirty at the same time yeah. uh yeah but um, uh, I, yeah, I honestly think not being able to die is worse than any hell. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think it, just for me, it's this is, and I don't mean to offend anybody, but small town America. I I mean, I'm a, I'm a city guy, so for me, that that's kind of like my hell. Like I, I like variety in life. I don't want to go to the the same corner store. And I think that's another thing is like you couldn't do this movie in the city. I mean, there's too many options. No, that's very true, because ultimately the payoff is him being able to connect with so many people in that small town that would have been possible in the city. That being said, even though I would definitely say I need the culture of living in a city and being connected to the pulse, it's also not great. A couple of weeks ago, waking up at four in the morning to the sound of catalytic converters being ground Ugh. out from underneath a car right outside the apartment. Yeah. So there is the upsides and the downsides to both, of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm a city, city, city boy through and through but here's my my final question for you about this is the about the ending right because he ultimately does break free after he saves the kid from falling he (laughs) he replaces the 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 tire tire right and he makes sure that that young couple gets married speaking of which am i crazy i should be looking this up right now shannon that is michael shannon it is michael shannon oh my goodness he was a handsome young devil yeah he another chicago actor yep gotta start here i mean that's why the therapist is played by dave pasquese another chicago second city alum you know harold right this is like his i mean it's his home so he wanted to you know have you know supporting people that like he knew and and michael shannon the the wrestlemania tickets cracks me up every time 
Oh my gosh, it's so good. Yeah. Actually, the piano teacher, I wanted to mention this, the mm-hmm. piano teacher went to high school with my dad. Is that right? So he like knows her, yeah. Uh, I don't know, I, I hope she's still around. Um, yeah. But yeah, he. that's what I remember he always saying, yeah, I, that's that's the celebrity I know is the piano teacher from Groundhog Day. Um, <laughs> who one. was great too, I love it. <laughs> On that last day and he's just like a savant, he knows it oh, so God. well. He's like, that's, this is my best student, he's my student. Yes. Uh, she's great, she was great in it. But yeah, okay, here it is. So. Isn't it scarier after being this like God of sorts? Cause there's that one day where he tells her I'm a God. I know everything, yeah. but to then not tell her that and to be seen as this like amazing guy, what happens that next day when he doesn't know what's coming? The ex- so essentially the existential horror of trying to live up to that day for Andy McDowell moving forward. That's a good point. That to me is almost as scary as the repeat. No, that's, that's a great point. And like, he he has all these weird talents now it's like what do you what do you do with your life now it's like are you going to continue to be a weatherman are you going to be a jazz pianist exactly i'm just worried that uh it's not going to go good for him after this because given the ratio of screw-ups to success it's inevitable that he's going to say or do something uh as piggish as he did on most occasions with did he McDonald. really change? That's the question. Rita. Right. That's what I wonder. Or was it all just, again, <laughs> selfishness just to, to get the girl past that day? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a tricky one. It really is. It leaves you with a lot of questions, that movie. And that's why I think it's so timeless. Yeah. Um, and why it does then work in other movies, this trope, because it, it, there's so much there to play with. Um, yeah. Which, I mean, unless you want to speak more to Groundhog, I was hoping maybe we move on to Happy Death Day to you. I think that's a great transition. This is a very fun sequel. We have talked about the first one. Uh, yeah. Which is why this is brilliant, and you suggested it's even better to talk about the sequel. Exactly, right? It does make sense because now we're doing the, you know, the doubling, which is so appropriate, <laughs> the doubling of the doubling of the, you know, quadrupling yeah. of the infinite, infinitying, um, <laughs> which I liked this movie, Happy Death Day to You. I liked it about as much as I liked the first one, but maybe less because I wondered how necessary it was. Sure. Um, and... I was a little bummed because it really it sets off um, with this character, Ryan Fan, who is one of the smaller characters um, in the first movie, the buddy of the romantic lead. And we get to follow him and he's the one that's waking up in this loop. And I was really excited to see his story. I know. um, Rather than then reverting back to Tree's story, um, the the female final girl, I guess. That's something I want to ask you right off the bat. Can we consider this like horror? It verges on so, just a sci-fi thriller comedy almost, right, because if there's right. no stakes, if you, there's no actual death, then it's, I mean, it's certainly comedy horror. I guess we can call it that. Yes, but. I understand completely what you're, you're suggesting and questioning. And I think the only thing that can really narrow it down to is they do have a slasher character with a mask and a knife. So that's where they connected into horror. Yeah, and there's some fun, gory stuff in it, but I I guess we mentioned Edge of Tomorrow, Mm -hmm. and to me that was a lot scarier, and that is not, I think, in people's head, a horror in the same way this way, and you're absolutely right, it's because of the the slasher subgenre that I think this is categorized more as a horror, and of course, Blumhouse being um, producer. Yes, exactly, exactly. And I will say this, uh, in in a subgenre like the slasher, I was happy to see how it was done in this way. You know, it was almost like, how do we keep the slasher genre alive? Yeah. I and mean, it's got to be with right. creative, interesting ways like this. It's almost just disguised as Groundhog's Day. Yeah, I mean, in the age of the multiverse, you're essentially doing a Groundhog Day plus quantum entanglement. Certainly in Groundhog Day, they don't talk any science. Right. Right. There's nothing along those lines. It is just the, you know, mechanism in which they move uh, the story forward. But in this one, it's happening because of the science uh, scientists, ultimately, that are at the college. Um, Yeah putting together this essentially device that has the capacity to 
what how would you even say it like reboot dimensions and splice dimensions yeah i'm a little confused about like what happens to the her (laughs) yeah when she moves into this side dimension sort of thing right you know where where does she go does she just overtake that body it's a quantum and does that other her then go back to her other dimension for a while? And is she going to then go back with that same knowledge? That That's what kind of confuses me. Honestly, I think what you just described is the third movie that they could potentially make, because what you're getting out uh-huh. of this sequel is the justification. If anybody really needed to know what was really happening in the first one and the right. why, that's why they could justify the sequel. They explained it, even though I didn't really feel as an audience member like they needed to know the science or understand yeah. it. It is fun, no. right? It's fun. It's like the it whole is fun. back to the future thing, like the flux capacitors. Yes. I don't really understand what's I don't know, going I don't, on. Do you remember in the first one? Because there's very subtle moments where you hear the back to the future sound effect that's just like everyone knows the I yeah. can't do it obviously with me, but it, it's definitely paying homage to Back to the Future. Yeah. Um, that's one of the other things was like before they just played with this one time loop, but in this one, time has moved forward. She's now boyfriend, girlfriend with the dude, and she knows everybody um in a way she didn't in the first movie, but then she goes back in time. Right. Which right. was another like, why is she then going back in time? Why isn't she then herself? I, I, I was struggling. My, yeah. my biggest problem, I think, with this movie, because it's really fun, I love the cast, it moves really quickly, is the murderer motives and the murderers are always always let me down. In mm. both of these, I've been let down by why this baby face killer is doing what he's doing or she's doing. Um, <laughs> it's a and heat. then to go back and use oh, that no. same murderer... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. I I, I see what you're saying, and I I, I understand. It almost seems like because the plot is now so plot heavy on the at least in the sequel unless you're you're questioning the the first movie as well of like the motives of the killer it's um it almost feels like the motives from the movie scream you know it's like um jealousy and 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 uh betrayal and but i was more invested in the killers and scream because uh, you got more of a, a backstory of them. Granted, I guess we got a little more of the nurse in this one, but she was no longer yeah. the killer like she was right. in the first one. And then well, you barely see any of the doctor in this one. You just got to kind of remember back to who he was in the first one. And then when he turns out to be the killer, I didn't care. Right. I, that, that was my trouble is I cared so much about Billy and Stu or even like much more about Laurie Metcalf being the killer in two or, you know, I feel like, scream justifies its killers in a way that this didn't and maybe that's just because scream takes itself more seriously and this does have a little tongue-in-cheekness to it sure. and i just gotta kind of like get over that and i do have to yeah. edit at some point with some sort of resolution so yeah yeah and, and i guess in because the sequel they're you know they're also in this other dimension things are slightly changed uh just even as obvious as like well now that her her boyfriend is dating her best friend so right. now the killer is has also kind of like stepped sideways and like it's it, it is it is interesting and and you know it's crazy it was it, it's all thought out i mean the writer i think it's christopher christopher landon i think his name is he um okay. very creative writer uh and you know again it's just like breathing new life into the the subgenre that that i love at least right no, and I definitely appreciated that. And honestly, that the mask is iconic. It's a mask that I think is going to last. Which is so hard. You hadn't to seen do. anything like it. Which is so it really, hard to it really do. Is when hard you to try do. to think of a new slasher, you always go back to like, uh, we put a sack on their head, and we're like, well, no, that was I know the, the Jason Voorhees in two before he right. became or in Time Crimes, and even we're talking crimes. Triangle later. They just put a burlap sack <laughs> with two little <laughs> yes. holes. Yeah, and the baby face. Call it a day. It's absurd. That's great. And also, it's hilarious. super scary in the dark too. It it does have the comedic value, but at the same time, Isn't it there's the, a lot of like the layers mascot? there. Like, whoa! It is the mascot to the cottage. I think they're like the uh, Bethemia babies or something. something. I can't remember the name of the city or college. Also, but. just hilarious. It is. It is. It's very enjoyable. It's something like I would what had never at one time during watching it thought about turning it off. Like maybe something right. else we watch later and, uh, we're going to talk about but yes and here's the last thing I'll i'm say curious about what it. they would do in the third 
if, if, and I don't know, I mean, I, I may have put that out there into the universe. I don't know if they're doing a third. I would bet money that they will. Uh, I really enjoy the lead actor. I think she's fantastic. She uh, is great. Very likable. Yeah. Uh, I will say this, though. This was still a really good sequel, which is very hard to do in yes. the horror genre as well. I agree. So I totally agree. Yeah, it had a great hook. Like I said, I was really excited to follow. I know um, this Ryan fan character. So I was immediately sucked in. A little disappointed when we switched back to her, even though she is a great actress, a really fun character too. And then it really kind of became about whether or not having um, your mom in your life or following yeah. your your heart your romantic heart is kind of like which one do you pick right it was interesting i did like that i don't feel like that's something that's been overtly done maybe as you know no. plainly as it is in this one but that's what anchors it to groundhog day it's like you need to, you need to like have your char- your main character go through some some change emotional change or they just change their outlook on life so I think that's kind of what, what, where I would say it's the most like Groundhog Day, aside from just repeating the same day or death right. scenario. Is that, it does have a heart. Yes. Compared yes. to some of these other ones. It does have a heart. Exactly. Uh, I will give it that. Exactly. For sure. Let's move on. Yes. Let's talk about uh, Coherence, yes. which is free on Prime right now for those who um, have Prime. And this is one that I'd seen a while ago. Is this your first viewing? This was my first viewing, but this is something I've had on my watch list uh, uh, in my head and specifically on my letterbox. I've had it as my watch list for such a long time that I think I needed something like this, like an assignment to actually watch it. I loved it. What kept you from watching it for so long? Uh, What was... Just the fact that it kind of got pushed down into my watch list. Um, You know, I had it in my, I literally had it in my um, Amazon Prime's watch list too. And it just kept getting pushed. I add things to it. And I, you know, like I, you read the description, you kind of have like no idea what's going on. The poster isn't very great uh, for as far as like a movie poster goes. It doesn't really say watch me. It's just. Right. I agree. But I will say I really enjoyed this movie. It felt like um, a real- I, I remember having liked it a lot, but I actually appreciate it so much more on a second viewing, okay. especially knowing that there was no real script. It was almost it was like a curb your enthusiasm for sci-fi thriller horror sort yeah. of thing. They were just given their motivations, a paragraph about what needed to be executed. And at times it, it was a little hard to know what was going on because people were talking over each other a lot. Right. Um, but at the same time, I think that almost added to the kind of frenetic confusion that was going on even in their heads, the characters' heads. And, and it, you know, it actually came out to us as the audience as well. Yes. And uh, I mean, from the get-go, I really felt like these characters knew each other i'd say this is a fantastic ensemble the the camera work was really great because it's really hard to shoot improv because you don't necessarily know the exact movements and they did a really great job there and what i really loved were those dip to blacks which you felt like like it almost like ended a scene and then it kind of comes back it's like you don't see that in film a lot you don't see just like cut to blacks and then like it comes back up, you see hard cuts or. Um, That's a good, I, you know, I hadn't considered that because one of the big aspects of the mystery um, that's going on here is when these characters walk through this dipped black. in black space right. yeah. uh, is when the, <laughs> what do you call it, the splitting occurs yeah. between dimensions, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, and it's all, for those of you who haven't seen it, it all revolves around this, a Miller's comment that's passing at this moment. And there's just really kind of easy, but effective methods that they use like mm-hmm. phones, just cracking, yeah. you know, there wasn't, there's not a lot of special effects in this mm-hmm. at all, of course. Um, but it does these really subtle things that are still, they, they still work, you know? Agreed. And, oh man, I really liked, and, and yes, I'm going to, I'm going to be giving a spoiler away here, but that's kind of what we do. I really liked the actor's um, retelling of the the comment, like f- the, some of the stories that had happened before, where she describes the woman who yes. killed her husband and and she didn't get uh, tried for anything because the husband was still there. It's really setting right. up, and when you're watching it for the for the first time, you kind of don't know what's going on. You're like, exactly something there. I know that's something that you're planting a seed. But it really kind of explains exactly what's going to happen in, um, yeah. I mean, not maybe not. I mean, 
for those who have seen the newest Spider-Man Far From Home, right? Mm-hmm. You're dealing with the multiverse, and that's pretty much what this is dealing with. Yeah. Granted, there isn't different versions of the person as there is in Far From Home. You know, there's not the Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield. They're all the same, but right. they're different looking. These people <laughs> right. all look the same, yeah. but they're, they're differentiated. I, I thought it was effective enough by the glow sticks that they open at the party when the lights go out. Yeah. And you really do get a sense of, oh, okay, so that's the blue dimension. That's the green one. That's the red. The red. So easy, but still worked. And I wasn't annoyed by it, you know, in a way. If they'd done something else to delineate that, I would have been a little frustrated, but I wasn't with that. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's a low budget movie, but that still has a lot going for it. Yeah, and there's um, I'm gonna pluck something else like uh, that's philosophy from this movie that um is something else we might talk about from another show that we had both currently watched in From, uh, where oh, they yeah. bring up the Schrodinger's cat theory about right. the cat being yes. in, in a box and you know if the box is closed, it's there's a fifty fifty chance whether it's alive or dead. And I really like that that also played such an important part in kind of uh, their like how they were going to treat what they were going to do. Like, okay, so we either need to kill them, uh, which is another version of themselves or just uh, prevent them from knowing what's going on like we do. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was Uh, really effective storytelling. I completely agree. Um, It. It hit all the right notes for me, honestly. And of course, I, I'm, I got to mention that it's it's one of the rare times I ever see Nicholas Brendan outside of Buffy. Okay, and yeah. he's such a perfect person to cast in this because he's actually a twin. So when his other him comes uh, in and starts strangling him, that's his twin that's brother brilliant. doing it, which is brilliant. so fun. And his character uh, really plays that. an actor who has been on a show. Uh, Ros- <laughs> yes, <laughs> on the WB, nonetheless, the too. WB, yeah. Roswell. There's a lot like of a... weird meta stuff going in this movie, and that's yeah. another one I wanted to mention is that the actors' names, um, a lot of them, not all of them, but the actors' names are kind of mirrored in the characters' yeah. names. Our lead is uh, Emily, and her character's name is M. Yep, I saw you that. have uh, Laureen, Lor- and her character is Lee. Yeah. Um, what else do we have here? We have Elizabeth. The character goes by Beth. Hugo goes by Hugh. Lauren (laughs) goes by Lori. So it's really interesting how the actors themselves then have kind of created these doppelgangers of themselves with the name and potentially with what how they were playing. I don't don't know them well enough to know, but because it was improv, safe to say that there is going to be more of them in the character than would normally be in a script because they're. Not, they, it's on them to create the character so i think they're going to borrow from themselves more than they would if they were kind of given a character description you know yeah and i think sometimes you know and it's got to be really in the right situation and maybe it's the director but i think you get like um sometimes a more real performance out of an actor when they're improvising because there's a good chance they're just really plucking from like a personal memory instead of like right. when you're when you're playing an actor you have to do research on this character and then and then um, right. interpret how you're you're going to play this part or how that affected you but when you're improvising you're really kind of uh, pulling from and you could feel this you could feel it because it really felt more theatrical not in like an over-the-top yeah. sometimes over-the-top stage performance but in more of like a grounded um emotional performance which I was just and really just the impressed. movement of it too felt theatrical. The yeah. way people would come and go, Entr- and the actual exits. blocking meant yes. so much. Yes, blocking um, was huge. It's in funny this movie. that you, it's funny that you mentioned that they did pull from their own selves because Nicholas Brendan is like known for having substance abuse problems, okay. and of course his character in this does, and that's why I think it was so nice to see him in something else, and I, and I thought he was really fun—not fun, but like good in it. Uh, given that his character was kind of one of the more intense ones. Yeah, see, I didn't know that. And that is maybe something that the actor suggested. Like, he's like, you know, this is something that I deal with, and it might be something that the character is dealing with. And then it played, again, like improv, it played such an important part in how everything else was going to happen and how people were going to react. The the wife, um, when she sits down next to him, and she's like, what are we doing? You know, and he's like... Uh, and you could see his his moment right there. She seemed a little bit um, more like curious, like why? But he mm-hmm. felt 
really like i messed up like in like a like a like a lapse like it was just really really good just him envisioning what he would be in another dimension being a drinking version of him yes and how scared he was of his potential self yes uh really interesting you know it was it was dynamic in that and um to kind of wrap it up i was going to ask you if if a doppelganger of yourself came in let's say you barged in on your studio right now what do you know about your own weaknesses that you'd be able to take out yourself oh i know i hate getting kicked in the balls (laughs) I hate that. I would kick myself in the balls knowing very well that we don't like that. (laughs) What about you? So you got yourself. (laughs) Uh, You know, I would probably just mention the baldness and then he'd kind of like get morose and... (laughs) And I'd take advantage of and him. And then he'd throw milk in his eyes. <laughs> yes. Or I'd threaten to drain the milk down, <laughs> yeah. the, down the sink. Step one more foot Don't closer and there's milk gets spilt. <laughs> Heck yeah. But I loved it. I definitely think people should see Coherence. It's, it's rare that you yeah. get a comet as you're kind of like the business that starts I, it all. And, I, and I, I thought it was effective. I, yeah, I loved it. And I will say when I was watching triangle last night, there were so many moments where I'm like, Oh my God, this pairs so well with coherence. And there are moments that I was thinking like, uh, not getting them confused, but th- feeling like how there were some similar things that were happening. That's that, like, it just, yeah. what a great transition to start talking about triangle as well. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Triangle does have a lot of the same like tropes going on. Uh, the difference, I would say, is coherence is much more character driven. It's all yes. about who these individual peoples are, people are. But I feel like in Triangle, really, the only character that we are meant to care about or try to understand is the Melissa, Melissa George, George character. Yeah. Um, otherwise I felt like the rest were stock, which is kind of interesting because we have a Hemsworth in this one. Liam Hemsworth is in it. Granted, I think it was before maybe Hunger Games or. That's a great uh, question. I was thinking the same thing that it was probably before Hunger Games. And that if you go to like the IMDb or maybe it was Letterboxd, his name gets pushed up like towards like the second. Um, and I don't think he is, uh, I I mean, I would have said some other characters, like maybe Greg was more of like a leading role, but that's why I'm saying like, I don't think Liam Hemsworth was as big as he was yet. I, honestly, I didn't feel like I knew any of the other characters at all. And maybe that's the point because we do ultimately find out that she is the driver of the uh, the super loop. Yeah, it's it's on her more than anything else. Uh, th- that's something I, I want to talk about eventually, I guess, here, um, even though we are kind of we're in the 50 minute mark and we want to touch on something else. Yes. But uh, that let's let's start there. It's very clear i think in coherence where the loop begins but in triangle i don't have a, a really good no. sense of where it begins no and, and i think that's that's i mean i think it was done well in that sense that you could um the last scene of this movie you could start watching it and then it would, could just go right into loop it from there from yeah to, yes I thought that was cool. Structurally, it's very fun. The way that they uh, film on the on the boat on this huge barge, or, 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 what do you call that? It seemed like uh, a cruise yeah, ship. Yeah, it's the a size liner, of a cruise ship. A, a liner. A okay. liner. Okay. Um, I loved the way that they moved on that boat. I, I thought it was really interesting how she was seeing herself doing things that she had just done 10 minutes ago in the film and getting more of a context for why things were happening like that and who was telling them all to kill each other yeah. specifically her to kill them all um i yeah i really like how things unfold in this in this movie but like to what you were just saying like when melissa george first like like looks down that hallway and she says this looks very familiar as an audience member i'm starting to think okay what's going on you know that's that's that moment mm-hmm. where you're like okay she's been here before is this from her nightmare because she falls asleep on the the sailing ship when she first gets there and you don't know why she's so tired but it's she's right. exhausted she's exhausted physically and mentally uh for for many reasons again this liner this cruise ship is huge it's yes. massive and it's also to what you yeah. were talking about earlier uh, the name of the the, the ship is um, Aeolus. Yes, I think the so. The Greek god of wind. Right, and which makes a lot of sense. Actually, did you Sisyphus. know who the? Yes, exactly. Um, 
the director is I know. Uh, Christopher Smith, who we, we talked about Severance. I think in our, our first cast was the film Severance, yeah. which we both really love. Yeah. Um, and this is his follow-up, and I haven't seen the two he's done subsequent to this. And it makes me want to watch them Death? because I like this. No, is that good? Black Death is great. And we could have talked about it um, when we were talking about uh, like diseases and, and plagues. And, ah. uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good watch, and it stars... Um, is it Sean Bean? Yeah. It's Oh, no kidding. I think okay. this guy, you expect more comedy out of him. And I think he got that out of his system with Severance. And I think his other movies are much more grounded, like this triangle movie that is it's it's kind of exhausting to watch too when you think about it. It is. I completely agree with you. I wouldn't we're about to talk about another one, uh, which is way more exhausting, I would yes. argue, to watch than yes. this one, um, in the repetitious nature of it. Uh but yeah, this one is hard because you it's she is so intense, Melissa George, and you understand that she's trying to get back to her son who has special needs yeah. and she's willing to essentially kill everyone on board to get back to him. And it's just it it it, it kind of grinds on you in a different way than some of the other ones did. Uh still really enjoyed it. And there are some really cool scenes, including the shipwreck. That's really well done oh, yeah. given the, the scale yeah, of this storm, film, yeah. the way that the storm rolls in. I really dug that. Um, I think I, I glad I saw it the first time. I don't know that I needed to see it the second time other than to talk about it more acutely sort yeah, of thing sure. in the way that I would go back and watch coherence again and enjoy it again. I'm not sure I need to watch triangle again. I agree. I enjoyed this movie I'd recommend it to people, but I don't necessarily need to watch it again because I feel like when you watch this movie, because there's some repetition, I feel like I've already seen it like five times now. I know. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but watch it the first time uh, and, and it, there's a lot going on yeah. worth watching. Well, well made. Movie. And let's let's finally talk about the one that I wanted to be. I wanted better. to love this movie. I like, wanted to love this movie because but, I really like Bria Grant. I don't think we were the audience that it was meant for. No. You know what I mean? Or if we were, uh, it, it, uh, things needed to be done in it to make it clear that we could learn from it sort of thing. Yeah. Because this one, more than any of the other ones, um, you know, it's, it's about misogyny, I would argue, and how women are kind of stuck in this loop of dealing with men that aren't listening to them, that misogyny. are putting them down, that are kind Abuse. of ruining their existences they're, they're yeah. putting them in constant dread just because you know men yes and yes men are terrible. in the way that that movie men actually did it in a manner in which i found entertaining and yeah. um unique this was really a schlog for me and, mm. and and i feel bad saying that because i understand that the the writer who was the lead here Bray, Brea grant, Bre Bre um, grant i love it, her writer so talented she, she's great she had she literally has reese witherspoon's voice did you notice that yeah yeah it's insanely similar I, I think she understood the assignment i think that she wrote this from a place of maybe maybe something personal too maybe she i i don't know what um she's uh what she's been through so i i can't know how important this movie was to her and i'm sure it was and and i and what you said is spot on it's that it was an important message. I I feel like let's just talk about it as far as uh, the repetition goes and comparing it to the other movies because I think it could have been done a little bit more. You know, like I'm not saying like montage more, but right. I I, I was exhausted by those that we already had because they all really felt the same to me yeah. and the way that triangle, they can change the pattern a little bit and it made it interesting because she was seeing herself. This one doesn't have that same loop necessarily. Right, it's more I mean. of yeah. a, a redundancy, a, a horror redundancy that keeps happening each night. That is really the underlying metaphor for, you know, casual sexism that she deals with from her husband, one who essentially, yeah doesn't think of any think anything of the fact that there's this intruder every night coming in there trying to kill her specifically yeah, even though he is most likely what drove her to cheat on him uh yes and exactly. i thought that was really interesting that she gave herself that um that 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 situation or that that's um the backstory of backstory that backstory um, of it because i mean i think it's 
something that that was was also grounding her character like no one's perfect like right. she's just made mistakes as well um yeah but i think it's probably she's she's, she's acknowledging the fact that i think it's probably harder to get past a woman having cheated over a that's man a great you know point. it's just that's probably exactly it you're right not you know fair at all no. but i think societally that is something that is kind of frowned down more upon the woman cheating than the man um and she's pointing out that this is not fair and this is a double standard and bullshit but um for me like the killer right who was this amorphous male figure who actually he looked like he had saran wrap on his face so it was really hard for me to take him seriously and i know when she does take it off it's all about this amorphous man he's every man sort of thing yeah that's it I just it wasn't scary for me and I really feel like I wish we were talking to a girl about it and whether or not it was effective for her and she saw uh, her own plights within it because I just I don't know I I didn't I didn't I don't know. I don't I know. know. I, it just wasn't enjoyable to watch for me. And I'm sorry that that and was the right. case. I don't think it was. I mean, it wasn't made for us. Although uh, I, I think if, if you walk away from it with, with, with um, something with a message, I mean, it clearly, I, I think delivers that, 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 um, I mean, the world has been a lot easier for men and right. And just, and that is an important message. I I just wish it was executed in a, in a different way yeah. from, for me. Yeah. Just Cause if you want to talk too... about it, just from like the horror aspect, a lot of this movie is told during the daytime. If you, if you recall, right. and I'm curious if it was to show that this isn't just this thing that's haunting her at night, that's something at the end of the day that she still has to deal with. And um, was it something that uh, I also question, was this more like American psycho? We're supposed to just like at the end of it, think is this only playing out in her head, you know? Uh, I mean, that would be more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think so. In the way that it just cut after the amorphous man thing. And you're right. The fact that it did take place so much during the day. And then when she was attacked, it was only at night with the exception of the end. The end. Yeah. But the attacks weren't serious. The way he came at her wasn't serious. You know what I mean? It wasn't choreograph uh, choreography of it was not effective for me i was yeah. not in any moment yeah like worried for her because she was a, she's a very tough woman and I, she wanted to keep sh- going back to her home because she knew she could kick its ass but at the same time i just didn't like the fight scenes you know yeah i really wanted bria grant who wrote and started in i wanted her to direct it and yeah you know i'm, I'm sure she knows that director. It's a female director, which I'm thank God. I mean, I'm glad uh, a man didn't do yeah. this. And I'm, I don't know if that ever would have happened. Maybe this wouldn't have been made, but yeah, there, there are things just even about, um, the, the way, the way the, the guy just disappears immediately. And yeah. I think that's goes, plays into the height. <sighs> stop the, taking it seriously then. Yeah. That's, you know what I mean? Or like, the, the the interactions with the detective and i understand what was going on there you know he's asking how like, patronizing he yes. is and essentially yes. keeps bringing up have you had problems with your husband and she's all it's not my husband this is right. not my husband we're talking about even though the body type was exactly like her husband yes. the hair was exactly like her husband too yes i mean underneath obviously we see the amorphous man face but everyone's naked eye it did look like him granted in the first attack the husband's there and does subdue the guy yeah so you kind of know it's not him but at the same time it looks like him which i I think was meant to be because she is dealing with this kind of the casual uh misogyny you know that he puts out there to her so something also really interesting about uh specifically even like the sister-in-law character who it would be delivering a line and then almost robotically then deliver another line and i think i want to say that she wasn't the only character in the movie to do that i think maybe the and if it was just like people are programmed to say things yeah well that that was one of the more interesting aspects is that everyone kind of kind of said this is the way that it is yeah and essentially we do have to follow these uh this archetypal pattern of women aren't taking seriously men are the ones controlling 
things um and she was not supported by her women and and that sister-in-law like you said did have those scars on her back that she hadn't seen before and certainly was pointing to something horrific that had happened to her but she wasn't willing to talk about it she kind of like moved on like you said very robotically yeah um and then there's something at the heart of this movie that is really awesome it just yes completely agree and you could really tell in that moment when when the editor comes by and says i got you uh, he's basically taking credit, like I got you this great uh, deal, right. and like, but he says you're lucky, and then like you know that's the title of the movie, and I think right. that's really where lucky. the message. I worked of the movie. my ass off for it. Yeah, I worked yeah. my ass off. Stop saying I'm lucky. I <laughs> did a lot of work. Right. This for is a this. double standard. Yeah, but right. yeah, and that one's on Shutter. If you guys are interested, yeah, um, I. I reluctantly suggest watching it for the sake of the deeper meaning um and another interesting spin on the slasher genre yes that's true that's very true very true but um ultimately we hope you listen to this very cast over and over and over and over again we need to boost those numbers here Till then, stay alive. Stay alive. Stay alive. Stay alive. Stay alive. Stay alive. <laughs> stay alive. <laughs>